What's going on, man? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's happening? I'd like to welcome y'all to another episode of the My Truth Podcast Show. Today, we have a um, a legend, um, a blessing, a walking testimony right now, man. I am honored to be in this this um, gentleman's presence. Uh, I could say a couple, I could tell you the story. A couple years ago, my, um, my cousin Ryan Rayford, right? Hey, I was getting my hair cut when I first started. He kept saying, man, you need to not you, man, bro. You need to get him on your show. But at that time, I wasn't really prepared. I was like, and he was telling me the story and all that. And um, recently, with all the stuff going on around the city, it really, and I seen your, your news clip. And, um, and I remember my daddy telling me about the story back in the day. And uh, I was like, man, it's about time. Because I, I always do rappers, right? Yeah. So when I did this, started this podcast, it was like, you know, everybody can do the rappers, everybody can do the, but man, you got to do something to put some change or put some game in the air. And I think I say this when the rappers come on, I say the rap game is missing game, and what can you listen to and get from it? You know what I'm saying? I feel like that's why I called it my testimony because your testimony might help me, somebody, anybody. You know what I'm saying? And um, that's where we at. And I like to welcome. Willie Knighton Jr. to the show, man. Glad to be here. Thank you for coming in, man. How are you doing, brother? I'm great. But don't think I can't rap now. Oh no, I mean, I, I ain't know. know. I think yeah. I ain't know that part of the game. Oh, see, <laughs> Tuesday through Sunday. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. What's the day? Uh, what's the day? Monday, Monday, oh, Monday, Monday. It's your off day. My off day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, it's good to see you, man. Same um, here. Before we get the interview uh, going, I gotta ask you this one question. Okay. You was at the fight. Who you got, Spencer Crawford? I'm going with Bud. You going with Bud? Why Bud, man? I'm going with Bud because I just I like his technique. He go both ways. He hit hard, and then I go off of what Sean Crawford said. You know, he fought both of them. Mm, everybody say that. I think that's the only argument people have. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, it's a I fight think it can go fifty fifty. Yeah, absolutely. I think it go fifty fifty. I like his technique. I don't know. But what you think about Canelo losing uh, the other night? Man, he fought a great fight. That boy. What a great fight. Dude, it's kind of weird that if he take that loss that he really didn't lose since he fought the GOAT, uh, that how they just throwing him under the bus like, man, no, you can't lose. No, that Triple G fight, the first one. You know you know what? Yeah, I forget about that real, fight. Let yeah, me backtrack. Yeah, that yeah. fight, he really he yeah. kind of lost that yeah, when they called it a draw. Did. Absolutely did. Yeah. yeah. We got, man. Damn. You got me on that one, man. <laughs> So um, this is the first time on my show. Um, I want to get into a little bit of your story. I want to get into some current events. So you came, hold on, you was born and raised in Toledo, right? Correct, absolutely. And um, how was it? You grew up around the 80s, 70s. Yep, 70s baby. 70s baby. How was it around that time growing up here? It was beautiful. Um, Matter of fact, my parents still at the same house since 1972. So next month be 50 years. We've been over on Hamilton. That's a blessing. You know, so the park raised us, Hamilton Park. Uh-huh. It raised us. Um, that's what we did when we got out of school. We went to the park. The lights came on at night. You hear a whistle, hear a call, yeah. go to bed. You do it the next day. That's dope. Things changed going around by 86, 85, 86. My first day at Burndale was the first day I ever got high. It was the first day I ever drunk. My first day. And then it was off and running. Um, Around there, what... When did you start seeing the like change? What, what, what was it that really just changed in the neighborhood? Because I look back uh, at old Toledo pictures back then. It's just like it was just so 
I still think it's a beautiful place, but now it's just like, where did it go wrong? You know how some people like in New York, like the crack in the 80s, this Absolutely. or that. that was here, the crack. And that, and that, that's what kind of changed it around yeah, that era. Detroit boys came down here, and they started setting up shop in the brands in the Fort Lawrence, and they were selling these things called chops, double ups. Yeah. And we would go and get a double up. And you see that money come? It was just, it was, it was on. How, how much money was y'all seeing today? that much in the first at first we weren't seeing that we were still on the block i was on buckingham and junction uh, i started touching real paper by 1990 1990 and how old was you on 18 years old 18 1990 yeah. and touching real money on that time yeah got my first brick so um i read that when did the gang aspect come into around that era the gangs were in the late 80s. You know, yeah. we had our little street hoods. We had BSGs, Buxbury Gangsters. We had the Avondale Posse. Before that, you had the D-Boys, the C-Boys, the Pony Boys. And um, colors hit, and everything really changed. Uh, long go the days of uh, fist fighting. Yeah. You know, we used to get into it with them L-Boys, and that's what they could fight. <laughs> yeah, and the L-Boys weren't slacking on nothing. They hit your head up and line up with all of us. You know, so it started changing around the nineties and they put the gun they put the, the hands down and picked up the guns. And it started back in the nineties? Yeah. With the L boys. And what was y'all called back then? We was Buck Street Gangsters. Buck Street Gangsters. Yeah. Okay, okay. And y'all main enemies was on, on Lawrence. Main enemies was, you know, really all the blood sets. I mean, that's just what it was then. If you banging, you have to have an enemy. Yeah. And that's just how it went. You're young, you're a teenager, you don't know no better. Yeah. You don't know that 20, 30 years from, from now, these will be your best friends, you know? Yeah, man, I, t- I tell kids that all the time. Right. I tell my little dudes all the time, I say, man, you know that dude you looking at, man, wanting to hurt and do something to? That be the realest nigga, and get, even more Absolutely. realer than your day ones sometimes. Absolutely. So I always, tell, I always tell people that. I tell them the same thing. I said, um, you keep on banging, you're going to find out that the same dudes you call your ops are going to be your bunkie. And that's real. That's real. Because I, um, it was kind of crazy. My dude, Stu, we was talking about this, right? Me come from Wildcorn. I grew up on like, Auburn, back coming area. And um, I wanted to stop. I wanted to just do something different. It just the gang stuff. It was cool, but it was like I wasn't getting no money. But I'm looking over my shoulder everywhere I go. So I start, I had a friend, they went into the stuff I was into. They was like, man, come throw parties, man. And everybody's new. I was always in music, and I was always a kind of a neutral guy, but it's still that there certain ones that just don't care. Like, I don't care how cool you is. I, I got to get you. So my dude, was, Dion, and was like, man, come throw parties, right? And as I'm going, I'm going, and I meet Stu, and everybody know where Stu from. Them enemies, you know what I'm saying? But... He was just cool, and yeah, he put he me good on. People, man. Yeah, he good people. And he put me on my first show with Yo Gotti, man. And I haven't looked back since, man. Yeah, that was alley oop. That 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 dude. And then we was going through the aspect of when they was kicking it, man. He was just like, man, this is weird. Everybody talking about, man, you put dude on and you ain't put me on, but it was like, I don't know. It's kind of like loyalty to the. That was the first time I was just like, man, that's my dude. He from the other side. I'm from the. And since then, we just been locked. The kids know each other, yeah. all type of yeah. stuff. So it just. It's kind of weird. A lot of kids don't know that. Like you said, yo, I'll be a bunkie. I remember that. So um, we get to that part, right? We go through the 80s. Um, when did it, like, your first time running into the law? 
Oh, my first time running to the law, I was a teenager. Wow. Yeah, I did time in the CSI. I've been to DYS, Deco, Cuyahoga Hills, Buckeye. Man, how many times you arrested as a minor, if you remember? I can't remember. Probably about six. Six? I'm going to just say, yeah, six. And I had a safe school. I got expelled, kicked out of school. I had to go to um, court, had a hearing. Yeah. Yep, they expelled me and told me to get my education however I can get it. So I and ended up at the Hoyg Center. What's the Hoyg Center? Is that Jefferson Center? Nope, the Hoyg Center. Right there off of... Off of... Off in, of in the neighborhood. Indiana and Hoyg. Oh, okay. I never it knew that. Half, half a building. Oh, man. I kid you not. A half a building full of cubicles. And they put you... And did you finish school? Um, in 1992 or 93, I ended up taking um, my GED test. Yeah. University of Toledo. It was a two or three day test. You know, I passed higher than the national average on probably about half of the tests. And then it ever like you just sit back and think like, man, I was so smart, but I didn't use it the right way. Do you ever Absolutely. think like that? Yeah, I was too smart for my own good. Dang. When you so when you get down to it, let's just skip straight to it. You catch the case, right? A few cases. You catch the, I'm talking about the big one. Okay. Okay. I don't want to go on there because I know it's some stuff, but leading up to that day, well, how was that day going through that? It was in 1996. I had literally fell back from the bank. Yeah. You know, it, it was money and blood and money never mixed. So had to squash all the beef. Yeah. So, you know, I used to get my hair did where the pump waves and stuff. So <laughs> I had a persona, you know, in the hood, I'm short dog. But when I get my hair did, I'm woolly rich. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they say, okay, we see Willie Rich, but I'm really rich. That's why I used to tell him, just talking stuff. And um, I really wanted to bang it like that. So I had fell all the way back, and um, it came, and they charged me with a body. And um, my life changed. And they knew I was innocent. I knew I was innocent. So I said, now nah, I got to spend this money to be the case I'm innocent of. And I didn't beat the case. How much did you end up spending on the case? I spent, I spent about 25 30 Wow. It was a murder, an attempted murder, with a gun charge. I was already on shock probation from prison. I went to post bond. Yeah. It was a bondsman named Harry Sahakian. And um, he came out of the county jail. He said, uh, Mr. Knighton, he said, they won't let you post bond. I said, I had the money here. He said, there is what they call a severity of crime. Um, your probation officer and the courts came and they put a holder on you. But what I didn't know is if I would have posted the bond, I would have had a hearing Probably nine out of ten, I would have been let out. Mm-hmm. But I'm grateful that I wasn't let out. Because you would never, you probably wouldn't be here talking to me, huh? Yeah, the case would have been dismissed. Period. Oh, man. So, um, man, that's deep. So when you get in the courtroom, right, what was your reaction when they said guilty? It, it, I was numb. I was, I was like, there is no way in the world that you put me in a place that I wasn't at. There's no way in the world. Now, I've done a lot of wrong. I got away with everything. Yeah. But the powers that be knew that I was innocent. Yeah. They knew it, and they didn't care. They said, we'd rather get you and let killers go free. And that was around that time where they was like, we got to, do you feel like they was like, when well, we got to make an example? Oh, Absolutely. I had already um, made the front of the newspaper two, two years earlier. 
1994, they put a big old thing, reputed gang leader, apprehended with arsenal of weapons. I had like, I was asleep with a chopper, wearing a vest, and my dad had probably about nine, ten um, firearms in the house. Wow. They made it look like I had all these guns. You know, spread them out on the table and made the camera just, it was just, all, it was all politics. It was all politics at the time. And, um, but, you know, the Bible says that all things work together for good. Yes. And that's what I believe in. That's how I set my life. You know? Yes, sir. Man. So, um, you sentence, you get sentenced, right? Mm-hmm. They send you off. Mm-hmm. When you got to jail, what was like, what was the adjustments? What was, what, what, how was it in there? Well, when I went to the county jail, it was sweet. You know, I, 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 I had it, I had it my way. You know, I was smoking good. I was snorting good. And uh, when I went to prison, it was different. And But the thing about it is, man, God had orchestrated everything. Because, see, I went to prison with a contract on my head. Yeah. Three years earlier than that, it was the Lucasville riots. And after the Lucasville riots, that's when I made the newspaper. Some guys from the riot got the address out to Toledo Blade and wrote me. And they told me that I was in violation for starting frivolous gun battles. So instead of me talking crazy in a letter, I wrote them back and gave them a number. And called me, not knowing I'd be meeting them three years later. Wow. So, you know, when I walked down to Lebanon, man, the doors was open. You know, the big homie was on the compound. It was love, you know. And I, I, I walked that walk for two years, but I was struggling internally. Spiritually, I didn't want that. You know what I'm saying? Power in prison to get you killed or get you more time. I didn't want none of that. I wanted to come home. You know, I ended up losing three of my four grandparents in the 13 years. So when you you went there, right, and you seen the letters, you seen the stuff, and like you said out here, you short dog, Willie Rich, as you call it. <laughs> and what was what was that moment in your head, right? Maybe you was laying down, looking up at the sky, and it just hit you like, God changes for me. When, how, when was that moment? It was not like that. It wasn't? It was, <laughs> well, I, it was plain to you, you know? I woke up and thought I was at the Super Bowl oh. after getting knocked out. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, you got to tell us this, man. Yeah, I got into it with a Cleveland brother. Because um, I had a little juice down there. Instead of going straight to the hole, you know, the, the CEO said, hey, man. Break it up. He yeah. said, um, Mr. Jackson, you go first. He said, no, nah, just wait, man, about three, four minutes, and then you get out of here. So unbeknownst to me, he had went over to the quartermasters. Yeah. When he was supposed to went back to his block. Yeah. He came behind me, caught me, dropped me, mm. straight out. And um, after I woke up and I was in the captain's office, um, a CO said that he had witnessed it all and said, um, the guy sucker punched night. But we had already hit in there in the gym, so that's why I said I got to get my get back for this. Yeah. So we went to the hole, and um, when I came out the hole, I went to my block, and it was four men in the cell with knives. And um, they said, give us a word, OG, and we a life flight him up out of here. It was in and there. I said, I don't want this power. It was right in and there. And I said, I don't want none of this. These guys are ready to kill for me in prison. Now, I will never come home. I would never come home because somebody going to tell, and it's prison. So, you know, I just met with the homies on the yard, 
you know, I denounced all my gang ties, and they respected me for it because they already knew that I was in prison for a murder I didn't commit. Yeah. So I just picked up my Bible, and um, 26 years later, I ain't put it down. That's 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 just amazing. I'm sitting here. I'm blue back. Man. I'm listen. I'm, I'm amazed. And before we go forward with this interview, right? Uh, like I said, this is for you to come tell your testimony. But I also see people across from me that I, I, I have a lot of uh, respect and love for, and I want to give you your flowers and let you know Let's we appreciate, appreciate you. And the, in the community and what you do, and it's just so crazy, it's surreal that I'm sitting across from you because I already told my my brother Brandon, um, I was like, "This the one, bro." Like I I I just felt it in my heart, and I just I got, I'm just happy to be sitting here giving you your flowers and say Thank we you. appreciate you, man. So Much appreciate it, you know. Um, so we get to the part when you get up and you pick up the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. And what what was your original sentence? Was it eighteen years of life? And I had ten to twenty five for attempted murder. Okay, I wrote so now. I took I took notes on this one. Yeah. I took notes on this one, y'all. If y'all watching, I took notes on this one. Uh when did the process start? When did the um process start for you to get out? Um, the day I got convicted. The day I got convicted, um, I asked to be sentenced right then and there because the county jail was so depressing. I had a young guy that was in there with me, and he hadn't even gone to court yet, and he killed himself. In the county? In the county. In Toledo? He took his life. And he didn't even, he, he didn't even fight. And um, I said, I have to fight. I had contemplated suicide myself. And um, I was listening to my little radio at night, and I heard a song come on. And the ad lib of the song, it said, I am bigger than the judgments of the courts. It's a song mm. by William Beckton called Bigger. And... um. That just motivated me to fight, and I wrote a letter to the judge. And the judge is William, <coughs> oh, excuse me. William J. Scow. Scow, yeah, Judge Scow. And um, he never wrote me back. But what he did, he went and told my attorney, he said, uh, apply for a new trial in my courtroom. A gentleman came forward with a sworn affidavit that stated that I was not there and that he was privy to what happened. And we had a hearing to submit the evidence lead detective got the after David and then called for a continuation went to this gentleman and threatened him with accessory to murder after the fact mm. he tore it up which I, I understand because I would have tore it up on him if it was tables turned you know <coughs> excuse me alright yeah so I had no heart for that's, that's the that's, that's the rules of the streets you know, and when I when I started calling the shots, I live by that. Mm. You know, I live by it. My word is all I have. And you ain't going to meet too many. Very, very, very few. And they probably don't like me anyway. You know? But I keep my word. That, that um, moment you in there and you figure out and they tell you, like, hey, you come home. How was that? Okay, I've been writing the judge for 13 years. Well, 13 days short. Two weeks short of 13 years. 13? You never Two weeks gave short. up. You never gave up. I would write him a letter. I would get the letter copied and just change the date on it. 
I'd copy the same letter, just keep on. And I would just send him and send him so he wouldn't forget me. So I get transferred to Toledo prison out here, um, 2001. I get into an altercation. I didn't know that he was kicking me out. Killed me, devastated me. So here I am going back to court to see this judge. And after that, I'm getting rolled back down to Lebanon. And um, he had told me, he said, um, the wheels of justice turn slow. He said, but Mr. Knight, the attorney, he said, don't give up. And um, I stay motivated. Every time the legal mail would come to the prison, they give you a pass to go to legal mail. Every single time I went to the legal mail, I just waited for that one letter that was saying, I'm coming home. I knew it was coming. I never gave up. You can ask any person in the city that did time with me. I never gave up. And I got a letter. And it was from the judge to the parole board. And um, he wrote a letter saying he made a mistake and that I was innocent. And um, two months later, he died. Yeah, I heard that, that he was on his deathbed yeah. like after he sent it. But um, what I didn't know was it was even more divinely inspired than just that. What happened, and I just found this out a few years ago, that there was an attorney that worked for the Ohio Parole Board, and he had just so happened to come into the parole board and he looked at the petitions of clemency that were denied. Wow. So you had the petitions that weren't going to get no look at, and then you had the ones that they weren't going to look at. He said he just reached into the pile and pulled one out, and it was mine. He said he started reading it, and he couldn't believe what he read. He said he had to call the judge. So he initiated the call to the judge, talked with the judge for an hour, and before he hung up, he said, Your Honor, would you be willing to put in a letter what you just told me here today? And that's where the letter came from. Mm. That's a miracle on top of a miracle. That's God. That's God. Max. That's God. And I just found that out a few years ago. He had called me. He said, you don't know who I am. And he had told me exactly what happened. And you never gave up. Never gave up. That's, listen, if anybody, youth, anybody, followers, y'all listening to this, man, this is special. Don't give up. You can't. You can't. Yeah, the book is not written yet. Just keep living. Yeah. Um, so the judge passes, you get out. How was that just walking out that day and seeing your loved ones, man? It was surreal. I had just went to the commissary. You know, I, I was a cook in the joint, so. Oh, you were yeah. going out I was a joint. chef. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was a chef. So we was going to make us a nice little Thanksgiving meal again, which we did every year. And I came back from commissary. And they told me, hey, when the doors break, go to the cab office. So I just assumed that my last remaining grandparent had passed away um, because it was a Monday, and uh, the chapel closed on Mondays. So Mondays and Tuesdays, all your death notices come by way of the cabin's office. So instead of going to the cabin's office, I, I called my mother, and she was just crying, so happy, tears, and it was like, you come home in the morning. When I went home, slept on the floor. Didn't have no bed. They didn't have enough time. I went home and slept on the floor. That was probably some of the best sleep you used. Yeah, life. well, no, I ain't get no sleep. I was right. I was. I was up. I was on the porch at about five in the morning. You know, it was still dark and the birds was chirping. It was cold. I was like, I'm free. You know, I'm free. It was just unreal. Was it? It was like a dream. It was. It was. It was more beautiful than a dream. It was just. It was heavenly. I'm like, I'm free. You know. Serving life is different than being sentenced to 20, 30 years because you have an out date. Yeah. 
when you have life, you look for other lifers to see when they get their parole. You know, you got a guy that's in his mid-60s, got two write-ups. In the last 20 years, he get 10 years at the board. Here I am, a former gang leader. You know, it's on file. And I got a double gang-related homicide and attempted murder, man. There was, there was no rhythm for me at the parole board. I already said in my mind, I, I never go to them and lie and tell them people I did it. And owning responsibility is a way that you get paroled, so I probably would have been there forever. So, you know, I had God, and God was more than enough. Yeah. You get to, uh, so you get out, was it around 2000? 2000, 2009. 2009, you get out. Yeah. 2009, you get out. Um, where did you hit the ground running? Like, because when did you want, like, man, I just got to get out here and just change. I got to get out here and be activated. Um, changing. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't that early. So I got out and I knew that uh, my, my, my homie Fruit Loop had the construction. Yeah. Fruit gave me my first job. Then Delisa Moore, Frogtown Financials, she gave me my second job. So then I went through a staffing agency and started working. Or a guy, and I worked so good for him that Johnson Control Temp Service hired me. So I was there for about two years. They wouldn't hire me in, and the week when they went to hire me in, I was called to the Ridge Project to go right back in the same prisons and facilitate responsible fatherhood, healthy marriage, and workforce development. So I jumped on the opportunity to go back to the joint. I mean, it ain't nothing better than going back to prison, man. It's like a vacation. I get to go in there and chop it up encourage, bring hope to them cats. I just spent the day with Chill, Archie Wilder, Carl Willis, you know, Jack. I just went down there three weeks ago. Spent the whole entire day with them, you know. And that means a lot to them, too. Oh, yeah, because, you know, they have the same, they have the same thing they say to me, man. Check on my son. Talk to my nephew. Man, let them know, man. Change your ways, you know. So any chance I get, I'm shooting to the joint. That's crazy. I just had an epiphany. B, I just got one. This interview is going on JPEG. There it is. This will be my first interview to go on JPEG. Because they always ask me, yeah. but it costs a whole lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> and some of the people I interview, I'll be like, man, maybe y'all don't want to hear this sitting in there. But this one right here, um, I got a homeboy. Uh, my boy, I don't want to say his real name. I'm going to say J-Rock. He, uh, he he know he knew about this one. He was like, "Man, you should do it." He kept saying it. For sure. You interviewing? You interviewing? Yeah. Uh, my big I don't want to say big homie. My big bro Deucin. He always tell me. He's like, "Man, I love that man." He's like, "Man, was he night? <laughs> man, them, them back in the day." <laughs> That's my guy there, man. Yeah, I remember we went to a party. We had the same coochie sweaters on. <laughs> I told my dude, I got to go and change and put another one on, man. Oh. The same one. Yeah, back in the day, yeah, good people. He told me the, He told me a lot of stories. I was just like, man. There's a lot of stories about me out here. Yeah, he was. Don't believe too many of them, though. No, it went, I ain't no bad. I, ain't, I don't want to hear the bad ones. I don't want to hear the. I don't hear those. <laughs> yeah. I'll be shocked, too, when I hear, like, that was me, man. I'm sorry. It's so crazy because I tell everybody, and they were just like, "Hey, I, when you doing that one? When you?" I was just thinking on that aspect though, because I've, I've been inspired for years, just watching the story and hearing the story since two thousand nine. Me and my dad, me and my pops, man, 
We was sitting in the, and when he see this, he gonna wig out. Uh, we was watching you on the TV. Was watching it. I remember it was just like in our household. I don't think that it was 2009. What was we doing? I don't know. We was just in the family room. We used to watch Very it. Nice. Yeah, it was when, when DVRs came out, you could just record the news. And my mom was like, watch this. My dad watched this. They let him out. They let him out. And it was just that, just like, this is just crazy. I'm really thinking about my mom because my mom really, my mom passed a couple of years ago. So it's like, yeah. man, just, um, just, just the stuff that that she spoke on and what to do and stuff, and now I'm sitting here with you. It is crazy. Um, now let's get into some current topics, um, some updated things. Um, what do what's going on, buddy? Um, we have a lot of violence going on in the city. Too much, senseless. Uh, one of the little kids. That was um young man that was killed. That was one of my relatives, uh, Nico. Uh, yeah, the Chris. Team shot. Yeah, Chris, son. Yeah, I helped Chris get a CDL. Came to my program. That 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 dude. Uh, I love him. I'm so proud of him now. We grew up on Hawthorne across the street yeah, from each other. Yeah, that's my guy. He called me. We talked. Yeah, just his death. Um, just seven, what she nine, seven months, seven to nine months. Um, the little girl on Collingwood. Where do we start? Because it always seemed like we march. Yeah. We do everything. It's like, where do we start? We have to start inside the homes. We have to start inside the schools. Because the home and the school is where they spend most of their time at. And so we, we need parents to be more vigilant. And it's hard for these single moms. Yeah. Because they're a nurturer and then they're disciplinary and also... And it's so hard. And they have other kids. Most of these mothers don't have just one child. So that one that's off the porch now, they got to be concerned with the other two that's not off the porch. You know, um, one thing that I, I, I would love for um, the city to do is to get a grant. Yeah. You know how you can go to any fire station and get a carbon monoxide um, detector or a fire detector free. Well, let's get ring cameras. Mm. Let's give every resident a ring camera. So when the residents don't want to talk, that ring camera talk, it'll capture what's really going on because you have spot shotter. So if 721, pow, a shot here on Macumber, and you got all these rings on Macumber at that time, you just see where it's coming from. It'll, it'll deter a lot. But even more importantly is getting those mentors, those parents that hold them accountable. You can't be... Scared of these kids. And if you are, just be sneaky when you watch them. Yeah. They 15, they 14, 16-year-old shooters. They ain't smart. If we see. At, at, at all. At all. And so if you just be vigilant, you know, when they say, I'm, I'm out of here, mom, watch where he go. Watch what color he wear predominantly. Watch who he hanging with. All these telltale signs. You smell marijuana. You see him wearing them old long hoodie things. You see him got dressed. Some all telltale signs. Yeah. Deactivate it. Or he wants to fit in and be activated. And it only takes you so long from going on the sideline to being a star player in these streets. Trust me, I know. So that's just that's my take on it. You know, I, I mentor at risk youth. I have I'm working with a juvenile courts right now. Yeah. They received uh Annie E. Casey Foundation. So I'm doing the credible messenger. So yeah. um, I get all the ones who have been convicted already of, of, of gun cases. I get them. 
I get the ones in the rap, rap videos. I get the ones. Oh, yeah, so you see them all. I see them all. I talk to them weekly. I counsel with them. I encourage them. You know, I try to show them in the right direction. And they, they, they love Mr. Knighton, but they love them streets more, you know? And some of them going to get up out of it. Some of them don't. That's the yeah. bad part. Sad. Because I had a dude tell me, uh, I'm too, he's like, I, I love everything you're saying, but I think I'm too deep. I got blood on my hands, and I just right there was like, I, I didn't know what to tell him. Like, I was, man, just be safe, bro. Play it smart, bro. Yeah, like, you don't. have to. I tell them all the time, the best alibi in the world is a job. Mm-hmm. But these grown folks, I tell them to add a job to your hustle. You know what I'm saying? Add a job to your hustle because what happened was your hustle is periodically. You'll miss a play. You won't even go for a certain play if it ain't enough. Yeah. That job is every day. You got to be there. You got to be there. Repetition. And before you know it, you didn't work so many hours and the next 20 hours of overtime. Them couple plays, them couple jugs, you don't even want, want to get them. So now you done found yourself with the best alibi in the world, which is employment. Yeah. You done work 10 hours a day. Now you're sleeping for another 8 to 10. Man, you got four hours to duck off and be out the way. It ain't that hard. Safe, too. Yeah, I moved to Oregon when I came home. Get the the, the East Side of That's right. Work. That's right. My homies weren't coming over there. No, yeah, niggas weren't coming. Talk about where you at, big homie? And I'm on pickle. Where pickle out on the West? No, <laughs> man, in Oregon. It's like, I got no license. Right. They, <laughs> I promise you. I promise you they weren't coming to see me. I ain't got no license, yeah. man. Oh, man. Because I, I, it come a point where I just like, man, what do we, because now we run into the rule of that snitching. But I remember when I was growing up, the old lady or the people on the block, and you did something, they'll get you. They're telling it's your mom. Accountability. They, exactly. You know what I'm saying? But this rap game didn't change it. This facade that these rappers have because they ain't out here stepping. They in the in the studio all day. Rich. Blowing, blowing loud, rich. sipping, talking about the one homie, you know, that they left the block. Because these real steppers, we don't go outside the block too much. You hear me? I didn't do nothing but stay on the dirty. You want to see him in the club. Short ain't in the club. Short at the house, barricaded in, paranoid. And I'm up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Mm. I wasn't going out there. I wasn't going to be no easy target. All the dirt I was doing, I had the hottest car in the city. That black deuce. Infamous black deuce. And, mm-mm. Dude, so it was upset that how, cause I kind of get upset too when I hear certain things. I be like, hear kids say something. I be like, you don't know, you don't know, have a clue what you talking or what you getting yourself clue. into, to where you can't even go with you. Hey, ma, he can't come over here today. Right. I, I can't, like you said, everybody know your car. I had a car. Everybody knew. I know that feeling. That's one of the worst feelings. We be like, man, I can't. I got a young guy. He tells me, Mr. Nye, you know you got to take me home last. Dang. Ain't nobody know where you stay. Yeah. Man, I'm talking about these baby face boys. You hear me? A buck or five walking around in skinny jogging pants and flip-flops. Like if somebody stepped to you, man, he hit you with a hook, you don't even know how to bob and weave it, man. Ain't got no skills. Like no, this. they don't fight no more. These but, but they catching these cases. One of them got caught with a Draco. After he had already had a shooting, and then he got caught with a video in the pole in the video. I mean, 
it's just sad, you know. Well, uh, how you have a meet? Have anybody have a? I went to a meeting with the chief of police. Um, it was by me day. My dude, Big Blood. It was a, it was a lot of burger. It was a lot of us. Um, everybody was like, everybody dogged me out because this is the first time they just see like Gary like. Hey, yeah, I'm standing with the police. I'm trying to do something. If it was Officer Wilcox, it was very decorated. Right, good, good, good people. That Wilcox, I love that dude, man. Hey, he is, a, man. He was probably the first cop I could say I love and like. Yeah, yeah he was the first. Yeah. He was the first. Um, we sat there. We had that meeting. We're just like, man, we hit a brick wall. And I just want to know where, because it, it seemed like it's still some disconnect between us it, and them. It, the police only could do so much. When you have a mother or a father whose son is 16 and he get into a real bag. Yeah. And he coming home and he got the gas bill and the lights and he putting you on with a, a bow or two. Yeah. You going to turn a blind eye. Some parents are turning a blind eye. They know this Tootley dude, man. It's Toledo. They know who out here stepping. When we was out here, they know who was out here stepping. There's only but a handful that's really activated that really can go to bed at night. After doing something that's so chaotic and just devious. You hear me? It's only a few. Taking a kid life. It's only a few. They know. All they got to do is just watch the music. Follow the music. Follow the music. They tell them they self for sure. Keeping their score. Who up one? Who down one? And who lacking it? Oh, man. It's just. You know, they want to be heard, but that's in the wrong way. They just, you know. What do you tell that? <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> what do you tell that kid that's just like, you know what? I'm done. I want to get out, but they're still calling me. It's like, how do? What, what would you tell that kid? Like, I just can't get away. Have you talked to your parents? Do your parents know what you into? Are you making your parents safe? Do you have family out of town? Can you relocate? Can you go to another school? Can you work? You know what I'm saying? Minimize it. Just like boxing, minimize it. Minimize you getting punched, slip and roll with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you can't get all the way out the way, as long as it don't take you out. And see, they just don't feel like they have a way out because they want to have a voice. And the only way to be heard is to have a reputation in the streets. And it's sad. It's very, very. <laughs> when you, because uh, it bothers me because I have a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. And it's like every day because his freshman year he goes to St. Francis, right? Cool. I ain't waking up like wait looking over my like right. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm getting up going down the street picking up him. Boom. Second year come around, we are Scott. Mm. That's still a good program over there. My no, God, no, no, no. It. Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. one. I'm just saying as a parent, I, I wonder because right. yeah. I'm like, all right. The coaches over there and all that, and where I'm blessed at is that Dr. Carnell is in my son' life too. Yeah, that's my that, dude. His son and my son are like brothers, best yeah, friends. Okay, then. He even took him out of town for their family trip. I was like, like, can you pay for the route? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that's my family over there. That's my extended family. So it's people like that, and I was I can't lie, I was stereotyping because uh, Carnell's telling me when they was in eighth grade, they went to Jay Zoo. His son and son, they could just grow up together. Mm-hmm. He was just, man, get him over here, get him over here. And now that I'm over there, I'm like, man, 
the stereotype. Don't get me wrong, it's still that stuff yeah. in there, but it's not yeah. like they got programs, yeah. trades, yeah. they got stuff that we probably wouldn't even thought yeah, of. They got in accountability. They got accountability. They hold them accountable. Exactly. Listen, he told me a story. My son, because like I said, he came from St. Francis, mm-hmm. so it's different now, right? And uh, he came up to me. Uh, he told me the story. He said, man, I seen Deron running the uh, hall, wandering the hallways. And the candle, he's held accountable. I was about to go off. He's like, no, no, no. I went up to him. I said, did you do that over there? You want to do it right. over here? It's but the class. Like, it's just how they just be on yeah. him and, and, and they hold him accountable. So now he fear him. First of all, this is, this is like your brother. That's your brother's dad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the, the accountability, I like how he be out. When something happened, I say a big old fight bust out. Mm-hmm. The next day I come to the school, it's locked down. It's, and we ain't about to play that. Right. And he believes yeah. in getting them out the way. Like yeah, they I've been over there a few times. He called me. So it's, he it's, called me. I'm coming. That that's it. It's a little small. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, real small. Uh, um, I was watching. Uh, once again, I was watching the news. What is the situation that uh, you got granted with, with the clemency thing? What's going on with that? Okay, so um, when I was released, I was just given what they call a commutation. Yeah. So they commuted the life sentence to time serve. Yeah. But when they run my name, I'm still a convicted murderer. I still got uh, attempted murder on me. So a lot of things I couldn't do. So my um, license to be a drug counselor, I had to get what they called a CQE, Certificate of Qualification of Employment, because there were so many collateral sanctions that go against somebody that's convicted of murder. And so certain licenses I still can't get. To be up at the school full-time, I still can't go. So oh, now man. I'm going to Governor DeWine for a full pardon. It'll open up more doors. So all these 13 years, I've been applying for the clemency. First time I applied, they told me, Mr. Knight, you will not receive any more relief. Basically, you were a bad guy before this murder conviction, and we heard of it. So be grateful you free. So I waited two years, tried again, waited two years, tried again. And um, last summer I called. I said, I have a petition in. I haven't heard. They said, oh, we've been um, voted on that. I said, well, I don't know what you voted. They said, well, we'll email it to you. And they voted 7-0. And they told the governor, do not give me any relief. And they sent it to the governor. It went from the governor's desk back to the parole board. Now they called me and say, after careful consideration, Mr. Knight." We're going to hereby grant you a full board hearing with 10 parole officers. Mm-hmm. So I had the hearing in July of last year, and they voted 8-2 in favor. That Governor DeWine grant me a full pardon. So what I didn't do before, because I'm an independent person, and I don't like to ask for, for nothing. Yeah. And I was told, listen, you have put your staple in this community. Reach out and ask. So Paula Hickson was our then mayor. I asked her. She said, when you need it. Two days later, she sent a letter. I asked Chief Craw, when you need it. Day later, it was there. I asked Sheriff Tharp at the time, when you need it, it was there. I asked Romulus Durant, when you need it, it was there. Carnell, when you need it, it was there. All the halfway houses that I work in, there. Some of the prisons, there. All the community, it was there. So I took probably 35 to 40 letters to the governor. Of people, and then I sent all my little accolades, you know, yeah. Jefferson Award, 
um, vote that I was voted for, um, the Restored Citizen Award, you know, my TED Talk, all those things I sent. And, um, you know, by the grace of God, um, they gave me a, a A2 in favor. So now I'm just waiting. And so the other day, um, they ambushed the governor like, yeah, I seen he was down here. I was about to get to that. They said he was down here. He looked like, huh? Yeah, I put an OG call in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just said, hey, if y'all see him, just asking this, and, and they did. They went up straight to, oh, yeah, yeah that was did. a real boss move. Yeah, and, I say when they put the mic to him, he was like, uh, uh. Yeah, and <laughs> he's not a bad guy. If I don't think he, I, any governor, it'll be him to grant it. I think it's so. It's just that he has so, so much, much on his plate. On. And, yeah, so he implemented what they call an expedited parting process. He said, I got all these parts. Let's get an expedited process and get them off the table. But I didn't make it because I already had mine in, so I didn't qualify for the expedited. So if you wanted to be right, just give me mine. Get out the way. Um, and, that, and that was another reason I actually be on my show because I watched that. I said, man, we're going to get this little clip right here, and we're going to push this. Yeah. We're going to get that done. We have to get it done. Um, Mr. Governor, whoever around the Mr. Governor, much love, much respect, man. This brother right here is something something our city needs. I know you probably don't stay here. Hell, some of y'all probably don't care. But this brother right here can save maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's ten. He can save a lot of lives. He can inspire a lot of change. Probably in your heart, we got to get this brother what he needs he served his time. He's doing his work. He's following the light, man, and he and he's bringing positivity to a city that needs it. So, whatever we got to get done, Mr. DeWine, please, my brother, when we asking you, we pleading with you, can you help us? Please. And, and in the words of me, let's get it. Come on now. We, we, we've been waiting too long now. The, uh, the, the story, your story is just so amazing. Um, you ever wrote a book? Thought about a book or a movie? It's kind of hard. You know, I got a lot of stuff that I just want to leave. Where you don't want to open back up. So 50 Cent comes to you right now and be like, you know what? Leave it alone. Definitely not with 50. Not with 50. Oh, never mind. I forgot who I'm talking 50 to. 50 messy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy, he, he carried me. He know, he know how to get the people, you know. But I now, watched the. Uh, yeah, I've been on. Um, you I've watched the BMF show? Yeah, yeah. I watched the interview with the dude. Um, it's the dude he played B Mickey in the show. Okay, he got some the real characters on the interview, and I watched it. And it was just so crazy. I'm like, man, they will turn you to a villain on TV. Yeah, yeah. So, I know some guys that I did time with that was jammed up. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, does nobody ever asked you for it? Like, Absolutely, I've had tons of offers all the way down from New York to Florida to California. Yeah, I just I don't know. Some of them like to glorify. Old me, I'm, yeah, I don't I'm, want I'm to. ashamed of the old me. I'm ashamed because what I put down in this city and that demonstration it cost the life of my sister eventually. Yes. You know, I used to make snorting cocaine look cool. They knew all the Southside boys love that powder. Well, my brother went to get some powder, and he didn't get powder, and he did. So see all that. I did wrong. That's come back twenty plus years later. But this is why I go so hard to live right. You know, I was doing this before my sister was killed. You know, I was doing all the marches since I've been home. 
You know, I, I love helping people. I love when people come to me and I have an answer for their question. If I can't, I'm going to point you there. If I yeah. can't, I point you there. It's 160 felons driving trucks right now, Class A CDL, because they came through my program. Amen. You know, not including the ones that's just working, got a career here or there, you know. Well, um, what, what's your shout out your program in case somebody watching? And well, um, good game mentoring goals, attributes, motivation, ethics, um, ABC above and beyond care, behavior, health. Um, a nine to five is a goodwill industry. Eleven twenty Madison. We have a reentry component now. We have a workforce component now. So we don't just sell secondhand clothes. Yeah, you can come in there and get on the computers all day free of charge. You come in there, we help you with your birth certificate, your license. Financial coach, all these things, right downtown. You know, we open up doors. You know, I, I network. That's what I do. I meet people. I got thousands of numbers in my phone of people that's just like got real money, not just putting a wall money on some of these people. You know, they making like money, money, like yeah, two point nine a year, stuff like that. These people I talk real with, they don't, they don't talk money. <laughs> They talk opportunity. What can we do to help? How can we go about this? This is what they talk. And I'm at the table just listening like, wow. You know, they got winter homes and summer homes. You know, I bought a passport. I got a passport. I ain't used it yet. It just expired. 11 years. Man. I ain't even use a passport yet, nope, man. Because I'm so content just being home. I can't wait to get home. Yeah, watch the rest of this. Sitting in my chair. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, I messed my money up up there. <laughs> Man, that's just, just just amazing just to sit sit and talk to you, man. Once again, I know I keep saying it, but it's just like, man. It's a pleasure to be here. How can you be? Well, there's people like you, man, that kind of kicked like a couple people years like ago. Us. Huh? People like us. Us. You got a platform. Yeah. I um I got I got hurt and I had a spinal cord injury. That's why I had to walk with the cane and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I fell out and they never know. They still don't know what made me fall out or whatever. So I had to. Emergency surgery, go through here, put some metal on my neck, and they don't know if it was a stroke, or whatever. And the doctor came in like, uh, "You're not gonna never walk again, and if you do, it's a long shot." And when I got to therapy, I met this lady, I think her name was Michelle, mm-hmm. and she was like, "I'm gonna tell you this. Um, they told me you will never walk ten feet." She said, man, you walking 90. By the time I left, man, Look we just sat and cried, man. Well, listen, Look at man. God. I met Mr. Caldwell in there, man. Yeah, my guy. <laughs> I met Mr. Caldwell in there, man. I blame Mr. Caldwell because me and my, my girl. He broke me and my girl up because he, th- oh, he said man. something in her head. And I put something in my head. Well, I was like, man, you know what? When we got home, we was just like, you know what? Maybe Mr. Caldwell's right. You go. It was something like, I don't know. It's just kind of like he was saying something. But he was smart when he said it. I gathered my sickness when I got home. I got home, and I'm happy to be home. I'm happy to just be in this wheelchair, be able to roll myself, and yeah. stand up and just wash my hands and do little stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was so used to running the streets. I was still doing parties and all that. But um, if I never went through that, man, I probably like I said. I probably be dead in jail or something. I probably I started selling. I can say it now. One of my homeboys, man. I was started trying to sell dope because I was like, man, I ain't want to work a job. 
I used to rap and want to rap. I was throwing parties. It got slow. So it was like, um, what can you do? I was like, well, I can't move. Can't jump around like I used to. I was coaching football. Can't do that. Can't sell dope. Catch in a wheelchair, going to jail automatically. I was like, man, let me uh, DJ. And then I didn't have cable. So what's on my phone all day? Vlad TV interviews and stuff like that. I started reading. I started studying. I, it's all type of stuff. And then I'm here, man. Niche. And I can honestly say, there's people that got their legs and stuff moving around better than me. And I surpassed them. And it's to be crazy. And they called me. Like, how do you keep motivated? How do you keep my son and my, my faith? Yeah, there you go. That's all I got at the end of the day, man. It's more than enough. Faith is everything. Faith is everything. You know, yeah, man. This is this is my one of my this. I always say this, but this is my favorite episode right here. For sure. I feel like um, this is something that the city needs. I usually sit. Like I told you, I used to sit across from rappers, uh, and entertainers. You know, not to knock them, but right now, this is what the city needs right now. Like this right here. Gutter Dave has even recommended. And it was tripped out because I did good day. It's probably my second episode up here, man. And that brother, he 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 is a bright brother, right? Yeah, he like is, he's sharp. so we need people like you and him around, man. Yeah, he just need to get his pool game up a little more. Oh, you ain't calling him out on the pool game. You know where man. I'm at? He's been at the house. <laughs> yeah, he been up to the house to shoot. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, man. He put him out on the pool game. Yeah. That Dave swear he'd go to the pool game. So the big rob. <laughs> So what can we um expect next, man? Where the Lord leads me. Um, I'm here, you know what I'm saying? I'm in my purpose. I'm in my calling. I just want to continue to give back and help. You know, if um we could just encourage the caretakers of these kids. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Just encourage the ones that um see them the most. If we can just be a little more vigilant, a little more nosy. You know what I'm saying? A little more hands-on in what they doing. Our mom was in our business. And my mom was in my business. Like, at 15, I couldn't, I got in trouble for having a porno under the bed. Like, yeah. I just remember that type of nosy. Like, yeah. you don't yeah, pay no bills, right. so that's it ain't right. nothing I got the right to come in here and shake you down anytime I want. And it's on social media. Right. Social media is, is scary. Um, scary. Um, and they know a lot. These little young kids, they, they know a lot. Push of a button. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe there's hope. You know, as long as there's a God on the throne, I believe there's hope. I'm a walking miracle, not just with my release, but with my lifestyle before then. I should have been dead several times over. You hear me? When you could feel the power of a gun come right by you. You know what I'm saying? It's like on several occasions, like, man, how do you keep missing? I know now. That old foolish guy that I was, I know now. I was humble. Pride goes before the fall. Yeah, yeah. Man. I hit rock bottom. I hit rock bottom in prison. That's why every day I wake up, I'm so happy. I don't believe in negativity. You won't see not one I've never on seen Facebook. Nothing negative or I don't nothing. about nobody hating and none of that. I don't do that. There's not enough time in the day for that. I get up and I just walk in my purpose. You know? Man, that's deep, man. I want to thank you for coming out today. Thank you for having me. Uh, to the My True Podcast show, we got 
brother Willie Knight Jr. And I read your dad was a pastor. Yeah, I didn't know that that was amazing. Yeah, oh. Northwestern Missionary Baptist Church, seventeen hundred block of Oakwood, the old Grace community. Yeah, oh, there's your hope up there. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's me. Yeah, yeah, come check us out sometime. <laughs> come as you are. Daddy gonna keep you long. He gonna have a couple of jokes and a lot of Bible. And that's all. Uh, the streets need a Bible, yeah. <laughs> a lot of it. Yeah. So, um, any young man that's watching this, man, you can reach out to this brother. What's your social media? Um, OG Mentor four one nine on um, Instagram. Willie Knighton, I think it's Junior or just Willie Knighton on YouTube. I mean on um, Facebook. I can't remember my Snap, <laughs> you know, or my Twitter. But, I, I, but I'm I in the hood, Twitter. man. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the hood, man. Y'all can find a big homie if y'all really want to. Listen, man. Once again, appreciate you, man. Um, for this episode, thank everybody for tuning in. This is going to be a classic. We're going to go up on this, man. But right now, this one is in the books. Peace, y'all. We out.